It is rare indeed to come across a person that is so bold and overt about their faith that it permeates everything they are. In the life of today's guest, business consultant, speaker, and author, Ray Edwards, there is no delineation between business and faith. His faith drives everything he does. He shares strong insights into faith and wealth, along with his own personal battles. This is the 30th episode of On Faith's Edge. Hey, this is Jim Palmer, the newsletter guru, author of Stop Waiting For It To Get Easier, Create Your Dream Business Now, and you and I share something in common. We both listen to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. This is On Faith's Edge, where engaging, enlightening, and entertaining content brings us closer to living an authentic faith. We'll talk faith and life with people in business and entertainment as we work out the space where God and life collide on Faith's Edge. And now your host, Joe Taylor. This is going to be a good one. Ray Edwards holds nothing back in this conversation. Hi. Welcome to the show. If this is your first time, I really appreciate you listening. And if you're returning, well, you already know how I feel about you. You're great. If you're here for the first time as a fan or friend of today's guest, Ray Edwards, thank you so much for coming out to hear our talk. Ray is about as transparent as they come, and he does not disappoint in this conversation. Also, if you want information on how you can support On Faith's Edge in our work, please stay around for the very end of the show. And I mean the very end very end of the show for a special announcement on how you can support the show. Thank you so much. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations with people of faith in business and entertainment from all walks of life and levels of success. They all have one thing in common. Like Ray Edwards, they believe in God and they come here to talk about it. Last episode, we were joined by actor turned singer songwriter, Julie Elias. Being young and solidly grounded in your faith can be a real challenge. Add to that building an acting career in secular Hollywood and then you're called to a singing career? After making the networking rounds in Hollywood, Julia Elias was well on her way to becoming an up-and-coming actress thanks to various roles on Grey's Anatomy, CSI New York, Bones, Parks and Recreation, and other shows. You can listen to Julie share her life story, her music, and insight at onfaithsedge.com slash 29. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 29. Well, this is the big 3-0 for On Faith's Edge. That's episode 30, that is. And I could not think of a better person I would rather talk to than someone that I now call friend, Ray Edwards. Renowned business consultant, copywriter, author, and communication strategist, Ray Edwards works with some of the most powerful voices in leadership and business, including New York Times bestselling authors Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen from uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul fame, and Tony Robbins. Ray also wrote the number one bestseller, Writing Riches. Learn how to boost profits, drive sales, and master your financial destiny with results-based copy. Let's just leave it at 
writing riches. <laughs> In this conversation, Ray is incredibly transparent about his faith, his business success, as well as his, as his own personal failures and spiritual battles. Stick around to find out how you can get a free copy of Ray's number one bestseller, Writing Riches. Hello, Ray. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Joe. It's my pleasure to be here. It's absolutely my honor to talk with you, Ray. I got to tell you, just if, if I could have a personal moment here, I want to publicly say thank you to you for your inspiration over the past couple years. From afar, Ray, you have been a personal mentor of mine. I discovered your show sometime last year. I don't remember when it was, but I was driving in Wisconsin of all places. And I'm, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, but I was driving in Wisconsin and I was on about a 14 hour drive. And I discovered your show was mentioned either by Michael Hyatt or by Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm not sure which one it was. So I decided to check out Ray Edwards and Ray, I went on a 14 hour Ray Edwards marathon and boy, was it, uh, was it something else? So Honestly, sincerely from my heart, brother, uh, thank you so much for your inspiration. I really appreciate it. Well, I, I hardly know what to say, except even my wife can't take 14 hours of me, so I admire you. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. How's things out in Spokane? Uh, it's beautiful. Spring has finally sprung, and uh, we love this place. I came here back in 1996, thought I was going to be here temporarily because I'm a a southeastern kind of guy. I was born and raised in the southeast, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Virginia, and never thought that I would end up living in Spokane, Washington. In fact, when I first heard about it, my first question was, where is that? <laughs> and um, we just we just have fallen in love with it. So it's it's a wonderful, beautiful place, and I encourage everyone to visit here, and I promise you that I have not been compensated in any way by the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> It is beautiful out there. Ray, you are one of the most sought-after business consultants in the nation, especially in the online marketing space. Uh, but you haven't always been in that world. Uh, you started off in radio, is that right? That's correct. And how did you go from radio to renowned copywriter to now sought-after business consultant? It seems like a weird progression, but it really, in retrospect, like many things, makes perfect sense. I started in the radio business when I was 14. I had uh, a family that was filled with entrepreneurs. My grandfather had uh, an auto shop that he ran. He also had a bookkeeping business. My mother had her own real estate business. My dad was uh, an inventor and various other uh, things that he's done in business. My uncles and aunts were all in business. So I had this real sense of um, entrepreneurialism and making your own business being in control of your own income and your own time. And what I loved about radio was the creativity part of it and uh, just the coolness factor. I, I thought, well, for one thing, I thought it would help me get girls. And <laughs> that did not work out so great. But um, I ended up, uh, at least the way I thought it would, I thought I'd be like a rock star and that girls would just be drawn to me. But I actually ended up meeting the love of my life working at a radio station. So I guess now that I think through it, it actually did help me get the girl. Um, I, what, what happened for me was, Joe, I realized early on in radio that the people in the radio business who drove the nice cars in the parking lot were not the disc jockeys. Mm. They were the salespeople. Despite how cool they looked. And it, it, yes. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and so I decided, well, I don't want to be a salesperson, but I definitely want to be their friend because they seem to be making the money. 
so I began to get really good at helping them help their advertising clients have successful advertising and promotional campaigns. And so while other disc jockeys came and went, they got fired because ratings went up and down. Uh, I was retained because, you know, when it, when it came right down to it, when decisions were being made about, well, we're going to fire these DJs and get new ones, um, I was the guy, somebody in the sales meeting was saying, whoa, you can't fire that Edwards guy because the Ford account loves him. Hmm. And so I learned the value of being able to help clients in different businesses make money with their business through their advertising and promotion. And I started studying good old-fashioned direct response advertising and copywriting and marketing because I realized that there was something magical about that that was not true of institutional advertising. And the difference is institutional advertising is where the ads talk about the company. So it'll be something like, we've been helping people in this area for 30 years. We've got a long tradition of integrity and uh, we are, we're known in the community as pillars and rocks and we're there for you. And if, if you notice, those kinds of ads are always talking about the company and direct response ads, while we may think they're cheesy, are actually talking about us, the clients, the customers solving our problems. So I got really good at that and radio began to decline because they had some competition called the internet mm-hmm. and iPods and iPhones and Androids and you could carry a, a radio station library in your pocket now, thanks to Steve Jobs. So I realized that the handwriting was on the wall for that business, and I realized I had this transferable skill of copywriting and marketing. I'd worked with all these different businesses, so I hung up my shingle on the Internet and said, I will help you with your online sales processes. And I just became, you know, by the grace of God, really, I was blessed with the right sequence of clients who recommended me to their friends, and I ended up being able to work with people like Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen and Mike Hyatt and Dan Miller and just became acquainted with a lot of people that um, had been my heroes for a long time. And uh, God's really blessed me and, and put me in this position of being able to help more people. And it's been an incredibly fun, exhilarating ride. You are you are certainly one of the most respected and sought after business consultants, especially in the online online marketing space. One of your most recent ventures is a business training course, an online business training course called Profit from What You Already Know. And Ray, you seem you seem very confident that anyone can take their life experience and find a niche that they can profit from. I believe that wholeheartedly, and I think we live in an amazing era. Like no other time in history has it been possible for anyone to have access to the worldwide marketplace to share your wisdom, your experience, your knowledge, and the things that you know how to do from your unique perspective. It used to be that if you wanted to reach a worldwide audience, you had to have an enormous marketing budget just to get your message distributed. You had to take incredible risk. People bankrupted themselves trying to market how-to information or advice or books or seminars or workshops because they had to buy direct mail campaigns and spend a fortune, and what if it didn't work? Now you can test those same ideas for $100 on Google AdWords or Facebook ads and find out whether or not your particular formulation of your ideas works. And if not, you can adjust it, and you can build an international business 
from your home or even from a coffee shop. If you've got a laptop and an Internet connection, you can have a business sharing your knowledge and experience with people. And it's just an amazing, astonishing time to live in. It is, absolutely. And when you look at some of these guys, some of these um, heroes of the online business world, uh, and when you look into their back office, for lack of a better way, or look behind the scenes, you think to yourself, they're running that business, that multi-million dollar business from there? And you see their a bath, uh, a bedroom or a coffee shop or a, or a basement or something like that. It's just, you're right, Ray. We are living in, a, in an amazing, amazing world and an amazing economy where somebody can take such, such small investment and just frankly build an empire. I wake up every day and I'm just astonished at what's possible. And I, I love reading stories of my friends and colleagues and people that I don't know yet who are doing interesting and fun and exciting and amazing things just based on who they are and what unique um, combination of experience and insight they bring to whatever the subject matter is that they're teaching or the service that they're providing. It's, it's really, you know, to, to hear stories, for instance, of uh, individuals who live in Africa or other third world countries or areas being able to start a business online, and, and it happens. I mean, they're, you know, they have to struggle for things we take for granted, like an Internet connection, and yet they're able to build businesses. And um, I just think this is really, you know, I believe it's part of um, God gave us an assignment. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And since he handed us that assignment, the world has actually gotten better. The media loves to talk about how bad things are, and we walk around with the perception that, man, the world's getting worse and worse and more violent and more dangerous. That's only because that's what we feed our brains every day. The actual statistical truth of the matter is the world is getting consistently better over time. And there's a book called The Improving State of the World that I urge uh, anyone to read if you really want to dig into this and find out for yourself what's true. And if you want a short introduction to this idea, just Google, go to YouTube and Google Hans. Rosling or Hans Rosling, H-A-N-S, I think it's R-O-S-L-I-N-G, and he's a st- statistician who uh, has an amazing presentation that he gave as a TED Talk that shows the improving state of the world, and I believe that that is the kingdom of God influencing the systems of the world, and that things are only going to continue to get better, and we get to be part of it. How exciting is that? That is very cool. We'll we'll make sure we put those uh, that book and that author on the uh, in the show notes over at onfaithsedge.com. Talking about online businesses, Ray, your web your website rayedwards.com has resources for business growth, copywriting, productivity. But then you just click over a couple tabs and you'll find writings on and ideas on spiritual growth and Jesus Christ and how to become a how to be a better Christian in the marketplace. It, it, in fact, your show is definitely geared towards business people. But the biggest segment, one of the biggest segments of that show of the Ray Edwards show is called spiritual foundations. Has your business and faith always, always publicly dovetailed like this? Uh, No, (laughs) no, no, no. Um, uh, For the longest time I kept the two uh, separate, you know, East is East and West is West and never the two shall meet. Hmm. Uh, was kind of my my motto, and um, I went through uh, a period of my life where I felt that uh, 
God was calling me to uh, a more active role in his kingdom. And I went to ministry school. I went with my wife. We took a year basically off from the business. We, we kept the business running part-time. But we spent a year. We consecrated that year to the Lord. And we went to, to ministry school together. And I thought that what was going to happen was during that process, I would close my business down and become a pastor because that's what you do if you're going to become more spiritual. And uh, Or a missionary God in Africa. Or missionary in Africa, God made it clear to me that for me, um, what he had in mind was something different, that he had plenty of pastors and pulpits. What he needed was ministers in the marketplace, Mm. and that he had given me the privilege of territory that he'd given me influence in, in the business and marketing world, and that what he really wanted was for me to expand that territory, to steward what he had given me, the talents that he had given me. Uh, to go back to that story from the Bible. And so I realized that that meant that I had to tear down the wall between the sacred and the secular. And it's an artificial wall that we put up anyway. And I've become more and more aware of this as time has gone by. There's a great work by a guy named Brother Lawrence who wrote in the 1600s a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And it was all about finding the spiritual in the everyday work that he was doing. And for me, I cannot separate the two worlds. I just can't. They're, they're too intricately intertwined. I'm just one person living one life for one Lord. And I don't tell anybody that they have to believe what I believe because God doesn't tell us that. He allows us to make our own choice for him or against him. We get to choose. Why would I restrict anyone's freedom any further than God restricts it? Now, you know, like everything in life, there's consequences to our decisions. But those are not up to me. That's not my assignment. My assignment is to represent him and his kingdom as best I can in everything that I do. And I honestly thought, Joe, when I came out, so to speak, with my faith on my website, and said, look, this is who I am, this is what I'm about, this is who I follow, this is why I'm successful or not successful, whatever God chooses to lead me into. But I believe he chooses to, lead, chooses to lead us into success when we follow him. Um, and you don't have to believe it, but this is what I'm about. And I thought, you know, that's probably going to tank my business. That's what I thought at the time. And it had the opposite effect, really. It um, We've, we've been more profitable. We've enjoyed more success as a result of that. But that wasn't why we did it. I thought it was going to spell disaster for the business, but I also knew that God was calling me to be more honest about who I am and who I follow. And so I, I wasn't worried about the consequence. So it's been an interesting ride, but it hasn't always been that way. And this is one of the questions I get the most is, how do you do that? I don't know. I just am who I am. You you really are you really are blessed with the with the ability with the gift Ray to when somebody's listening to your show the Ray Edwards show uh your podcast when somebody's listening to your show they come there for business advice or or uh, copywriting advice or whatever they're they're coming there for but usually business related I would imagine and before you know it without even knowing it you're 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 hearing the story of, of, of Christ. You're hearing, you're, you're hearing the gospel. It's a, it's a real gift from God. And I, and I've come to, I've certainly come to appreciate that. Ray, you make no bones about the fact that, or the idea that you believe God wants us to prosper specifically financially. 
and you make no bones about that. I remember hearing a show where you just say uh, to become rich. And then you said with money. Do you think the scripture really makes this clear? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in several key places. Interestingly, one of the places where it's made clear is a place that is often, I believe, distorted to lead you to the opposite conclusion by, I'm sure, well-intentioned preachers. Uh, but let's, I'll give you three examples. Number one, um, the Bible says that Abraham was rich. And it says specifically in Genesis that he was rich in land and in silver and gold. So it's as if God was going to make sure that in case we decided to spiritualize, you know, it says that uh, I will make you the, the father of many nations. You'll be blessed so that uh, you can be a blessing to others. And it's easy to spiritualize that and, and make that sort of this ephemeral sort of blessing but it's like God put the silver and gold and cattle in there to say, I'm also talking about material wealth. Mm -hmm. And you might say, well, that's the old covenant and we are in the new covenant. Well, yes, but the new covenant clearly says that we're heirs to the promises of Abraham. And that's one of the promises. Um, in uh, the New Testament, the Apostle John writes and says, I pray that you would prosper in all things and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And again, the direction of the Holy Spirit in writing that I think is interesting because he says, break it down. What does he say? I pray that you would prosper in all things. So that's everything. All means all. And be in, and, and be in good health. So that covers health, even as your soul prospers. So that covers the prosperity of the soul. So if you want to spiritualize it, it's broken down and it's made clear that it's in all things. And then to me, the most telling example in scripture that God wants us to be rich with money is the story of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, uh, and I'll paraphrase and make it really short. We've all heard it before, but he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, follow the commandments. And, you know, there's a sidebar, there's a question here. Why did he say that? Because um, that was the culture in which this young man existed. And Jesus knew the man's heart, I believe, because the man said, well, I've, which commandments? And Jesus listed them out. Interestingly, there, he didn't list all of the commandments out. So I'll leave it to you to go look those up and figure out what, what did he leave out? But he listed the commandments and the, the young ruler, the rich young ruler said, I've followed all these since I was a child. And Jesus said, well, there's one thing you lack. And I believe this addresses the commandment that he left out of the list, by the way. He says, take everything you own, sell it, give to the poor, and come follow me. And it says the young man turned and walked away and was very sad because he had great possessions. And I always kind of get a chuckle out of the way that's written in most translations because I, I know, we know he was rich. He had lots of possessions. But it also says he had great possessions. And I always think that means they were great. They were really cool stuff. <laughs> right. And um, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. And often, that's where the sermon stops. People, pastors, stop reading. And the conclusion that you're left with is, is if you want to be rich, then you're going to go to hell. Of course, if you are rich, please 
put your donations into the bucket as it's passed around the church. But that's another discussion. That's not what we're talking about. So I'll just get off that rabbit trail. But the story actually goes on. And the disciples say, well, who then can be saved? Because their culture, their Jewish culture that they were raised in, taught them that if you are blessed by God, you are favored in financial wealth. That's what they knew about the story of Abraham in the Old Covenant. And they were saying, well, if that's true, Lord Jesus, then who can be saved? There's no hope for us, because we've been taught something completely different. And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Sometimes pastors get to that point in the sermon, but they still leave out part of the story. I believe it's in Luke where the rest of the story is spelled out, and... um, Jesus says, nobody who has left mother and father and homes and land to follow me will fail to be blessed with a hundred times as much in this life and in the next. Mm. So a few paragraphs earlier, Jesus is basically saying, well, that money thing, it'll destroy you and you'll go to hell. And then a few sentences, he says, if you follow me, I'll give you, and you give up everything for me, I'll give you back a hundred times more in this life, not in the ephemeral, cloudy harp playing on the clouds afterlife, but in this life and in the life to come. So I believe it's pretty clear that what he's talking about is it's not that God doesn't want us to have money. He just doesn't want money to have us. Quote of the day right there. Right recently you made a, very personal public statement announcing your Parkinson's diagnosis. Uh, in, in fact, that post titled the time has come remains your most read post on your blog. Why did you make such a public announcement? Well, I had been waiting uh, until I felt led by the spirit to do it. And also until I was ready spiritually to do it. Um, You know, I believe in the will of God for divine healing. Jesus's ministry consisted primarily of healing people. In fact, the pattern was he healed someone, then he taught a message, not the other way around. Um, And there are many promises in the Bible for our health and for God's ability and willingness to restore our health. And we're told that the signs that will follow believers among them is they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And so I have been very active in that kind of ministry, laying my hands on sick people, praying for them, and seeing them miraculously healed. Interestingly, up until the moment that we're having this interview, I have not seen the manifestation of my own healing. And I had to work through my spiritual battle with that seeming contradiction. I had to go through a place where I actually got honest with God and said, God, I know what your promises are, and I know what you say in your word, and I've seen the evidence of that truth, but it seems like you haven't kept your promise to me. Mm. And I know that's not true, so could you please help me understand? And the truth is, Joe, to this day, I still don't completely understand. But what I do know is that Sometimes to have the peace uh, 
that passes understanding, we have to give up our need to understand. I know that God's word is true. I know that ultimately his will is for me to be healed. And I don't know when that will manifest itself, but I know that it will. So every day uh, I, I check, I expect this is the day that God will heal and lift this affliction from my body as he has promised. And if the sun sets and that hasn't happened yet, then I just know I'm one day closer to that manifestation. And I don't let that stand in the way of my ministry to other people. And I had to work through that process and be able to be firm in that foundation before I could share something so tender with other people. Uh, because, as you can imagine, I've had all kinds of reactions to that announcement. Some of them kind and loving, and some of them actually not. Really? Some of them, some of them from people saying, well, how do you feel about that whole healing thing now, Mr. Edwards? I guess you've changed your tune now. And my answer Where's your is miracles no. now, huh? Yeah, where, <laughs> where's your God now, Moses? <laughs> for those of you who watched the Ten Commandments over the holiday. Right, right. Um, but uh, so I, I had to wait until I was ready and had something that I felt that could be of benefit, that could impart grace to those who would hear. And I've really been stunned by the response that I've gotten from that post from people who have been encouraged by it, who've been uplifted by it. Um, and in turn, God has blessed me. So I want to be clear about something, though. I don't think God gave me this affliction so that, that all that stuff could happen. I don't think any disease is the will of God. And uh, if you're suffering right now from cancer or uh, Parkinson's or MS or a common cold or the flu, I don't think God gave you that to slow you down or to give, teach you a lesson in character or to help you be humble. Those things are not his will. And people say, well, but nothing happens that's, that's not the will of God. Isn't that true? Isn't he in control of everything? Well, I think what we have to remember is he gave us choices. He gave us free will. We live in a, because as a result of those choices that Adam and Eve made, we live in a fallen world. And not everything that happens in the world today is God's will. And I can prove it. It says in the New Testament that it's not God's will that any should perish that any should be unsaved. And yet we know that people make the choice every day and they do perish because of the choice that they made. That's not God's will. And yet it happens all the time. So, you know, people say, well, how could God allow hunger and disaster and um, people to suffer in different parts of the world? And I think God is saying to us, how could you allow that? I left you in charge. Ray, how did you how did you come to belief in Jesus Christ? Well, um, I was raised in a Christian home, uh, and I I just I wish I could be one of those people who could say, well, it was December eleventh in the year nineteen seventy two when I accepted the Lord. I can't do that because I just always believed as a child. Okay. Um, interestingly, um, uh, I, you know, I was I did make a profession of faith. I was baptized uh, when I was. Um, about 12 years old-ish. I don't remember the exact date. Um, I was raised in a Baptist, um, sort of a Baptist church. I, I think of them as uh, Bapticostal because it was sort of a mixture of Baptist theology and Pentecostal theology in the hills of Kentucky. But I also went through a period of doubt, and I walked away from the church. I walked away from the Lord uh, and decided that I knew better and that all that was make-believe and... Um, 
Uh, and uh, for many years, I did. I was not walking with the Lord. It's interesting that even during those years, Joe, I, I actually would late at night when I was driving from. I was uh, for a while I had a DJ business, and I uh, carried a mobile sound system around to different dances and proms and functions, and played music at parties. And I would often find myself in the car in the wee hours of the morning, headed back home with all my DJ equipment in the back, talking to God. Whom I said I didn't believe in. Because, as I know now, once his spirit is deposited within us, he doesn't leave us. He promises, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And so just like the prodigal son, I was out wallowing in the mud with the pigs and finally woke up and realized I had a daddy in heaven who loved me, who had everything that he wanted to give me, and all I had to do was come home. And through... God's work in my son's life, of all things, my son got saved while he was in high school and started going to church and became part of a youth group. And I started going to church just to sort of make, you know, see what he was into, what's he doing. And God began working on me and led me back home through my own son. Have you ever had a time, Ray, when compromising your principles of faith in business for the sake of profit or expediency or relationship or whatever it might, it might've been. Did you ever have a time when compromising your principles of faith seemed like the quote unquote right thing to do? Of course I did. And anybody who tells you that they've never had that will probably lie to you about other things as well. Mm. Um, maybe I, I say that and in jest and I realize maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't want to project my own stuff on other people, but early on, um, I, I definitely, was good at talking myself into saying, well, this is okay. I can shade this deal a little bit. Um, I can do this particular thing that might not be completely on the up and up, but it's okay. It's not outright lying. It's not dishonest. I'm not cheating anybody. Well, the truth is the truth. And so especially when I was in the radio business, uh, there were generally accepted practices that just were not uh, – you know, I look back today and I cringe and I think, oh, I can't believe I talked myself into thinking that was okay. Yeah, how did you justify um, that? Or how did you justify this? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And um, and so, uh, you know, thank God that he uh, he's forgiven all of our sins, uh, even the ones we haven't committed yet. He's already seen them. And he's, he's, he made the statement, you know, before his father, he said, I will pay the price for that. And uh, that astounds me, astonishes me. I don't know how to even process that thought uh, most of the time. But uh, it, one thing that it has done is as his kingdom, as his spirit has worked deeper into me, and I've begun to get a fuller revelation of his grace in saying, Ray Edwards, I see you from 2,000 years before you were born. I see every foul thing you will do. And I'm telling you, Ray Edwards, and I'm telling my father, I will pay the price for all that wickedness. And... Every time I get more of a revelation of what that really meant, it causes me to realize how deep his love for me really is, and it creates a desire in me to please him. I don't obey him out of fear. I obey him out of love and worship and an awesome regard for everything that he's done for me. And so more and more... I become like him, and 
I've got a long way to go. But uh, we all do, man. But, but these days, it's it's a lot easier for me to hear his voice because I've stopped listening to so many others. You know, Ray, when when you realize as as a, as a believer, uh, when you realize if you if you really believe what you say you believe, and you realize what God did, made Himself man, came came to this earth as a human fleshly man that can feel pain and sorrow and agony and disappointment and, and everything that comes along with it. Uh, 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 A man of flesh, when you realize that, and you realize that, that he went through the crucifixion and the torture that led up to the crucifixion for you and for me. And when you realize what he went through, if that doesn't just break you, I don't know what, I don't know what doesn't. I mean, when you just dwell on that, well, I don't know what does break you. If, if that doesn't, if you just dwell on that fact and realize that the punishment that he took on for us was, was, was handed out by the very people he was taking the punishment for by the very people who, who deserved it. It just blows my mind, man. It blows my mind, yeah, Ray. Mine too. <laughs> and his response his response was to say, forgive them. Holy smoke. What is that all about, man? Gosh, because they don't know what forgive them. Cause they don't know what they're doing. My gosh. Anyway, yeah. Ray, I, I appreciate you sharing your faith with me, man. I, I really appreciate it. Let's, let's, uh, let's do a, a quick round of instant insight into Ray Edwards. Uh, Ray, this is where I'm going to ask you quick questions and you simply respond with answers. That'll make us feel like your best friend when we're done. Fair enough. Sure. <laughs> what single person and Ray, you're not allowed to say Jesus had the biggest impact in your life. My grandfather. The most, ex- um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I just, uh, he, he just profoundly demonstrated the love of God my entire life. As a believer in Christ, he did. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. The most exciting thing I ever did was flew an airplane. My wife, Lynn makes me weak in the knees, deliriously happy, totally frustrated, incredibly angry, deeply loved and totally alive. I think I'm going to have to copy that over and repeat that back to my wife, brother. Hiking or RV? Hiking. God is? Good all the time. In the past year, I paid way too much for? Hmm. Things I didn't owe the tab for. Hmm. And let me just elaborate on that just a moment. Certainly. What I mean is... um, in the past year, one of the biggest insights I've had is how much time I have previously spent in feeling guilty or responsible or condemned for things that I don't have to pay for. That Christ has taken on the responsibility of paying for. And I've just been learning in a deeper way the lesson that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm afraid of. The best thing about growing up in Kentucky is 
mud between your toes, creeks, hills, grass, that slow southern drawl, and I'm just going to say it, moonshine. <laughs> All right. Wow. Uh, what it, it's, um, communion time is, uh, is a whole different world in Kentucky, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we, we make a, a distinct separation between moonshine and the grape juice we use in communion. <laughs> All right. Ray, Jim Palmer, a, a mutual friend of ours was, was recently on the show and he alluded to an ongoing joke between him, Martin Howie and you. Let's settle this once and once and for all. Who is Martin Howie's best friend? <laughs> well, there, uh, you know, there really is no dispute. I know Jim likes to joke about this, and, but in all seriousness, I am Martin Howie's best friend. <laughs> it, regarding regarding your Parkinson's, uh, Ray, if if we could, you recently you made a you made a statement when you made that announcement. Satan will be sorry. He chose to inflict this illness on me. What can Satan expect from Ray Edwards? He can expect me to beat him bloody with his own sword. Because I know that biblically, the promise is, under the justice system of heaven, that those who steal or destroy have to repay seven times what they took. And I believe that any time Satan tries to inflict something like this on us, the reason that he's trying to do that is he sees that God has great things for us to do and great things in store for us. And Satan's only weapon is to lie and deceive us so that we will be distracted and taken off track from our destiny. And all this situation has done for me is highlighted well, even the devil sees that I have important work to do. And not only will I not allow him to distract me, now I'm even more committed to what God has called me to do. And he will be sorry. He picked on the wrong guy. Doesn't sound like somebody that's afraid of fear. Amen, brother. What single Bible passage has the most meaning to you? Well, I'll just tell you the one that immediately... Um, Brings to mind, and I, I I second guess myself even as I'm about to say this because there's so many others. Um, people say to me, "Well, what's your life verse?" And I'm like, "I don't I don't have a life verse. I have a life book." But um, that being said, uh, it's probably Romans five seventeen, and Romans five seventeen says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Amen. Ray, you're one of the most sought after business consultants in the nation, best-selling author. Your work has influenced thousands, both spiritually and financially. What does success mean to Ray Edwards today? Oh, that's easy. Success is Jesus Christ. 
if God could write our biography for us, it would be Jesus. And what I mean is, I believe that it's clear from Scripture that the model for how we are to live on earth, filled with the Spirit of God, is the life of Jesus. He gave us an example to follow. And so our lives, ideally, are intended to be a recapitulation of the life of Jesus. So the more people see the Lord Jesus Christ in me and through me, the more successful I am. Finally, as we, as we wrap up, Ray, what would you say to somebody that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? Well, I would say this. There's two ways to experience a swimming pool. One way is you can walk around it, you can look at it, you can talk about it, you can talk to other people who've been in the swimming pool, you can stick your toe in the water, and you still haven't had the experience of what a swimming pool really is. The other way to experience the pool is just jump in and decide for yourself. That's the only way you're ever really going to know. So if you and I are standing together on faith's edge at the edge of the swimming pool, I'm going to push you in. (laughs) I don't think we can say anything more than that, Ray. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're an inspiration to me personally and an inspiration to thousands. Thank you so much for your time, brother. Thank you. It's been my pleasure and my privilege, and I pray that God blesses you and every person who listens to this. God bless you, my friend. Ray Edwards is going to push you in. And I believe Ray would, too. Thank you again for being with us today, Ray. Ray's website is rayedwards.com. That's rayedwards.com. His Facebook and Twitter links, as well as all of the resources mentioned in today's show, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 30. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 30. If you want a free copy of Ray's book, Writing Riches, just go over to onfaithsedge.com and look for the big free gift picture and sign up for show updates. There are a limited number of copies along with some other free goodies from past guests. So just go over to uh, onfaithsedge.com and look for the uh, free gift picture that's over on the right hand side side of the website and just sign up for show updates that's all you have to do uh, thank you so much for listening today you certainly mean a lot to me and you mean a lot to this show remember god is real and eternity is now let's go out and live like it god bless Hey, thanks for staying. And I just wanted to let you know real quick, I just kicked off a new Patreon page to help those of you that want to support the show. Just go to onfaithsedge.com slash support and all the details will be right there. Patreon's a service uh, that helps shows like this one um, raise money and helps uh, helps listeners and people who want to support the show do just that. If you have any questions, just send me an email at joe at onfaithsedge.com. That's joe at onfaithsedge.com. And that website, uh, that uh, web link is, is again onfaithsedge.com slash support. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.